Welcome to the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. We are your hosts, Michael and Lauren Falk. We are physical therapists, athletic trainers, and strength and conditioning coaches at Kinetic Sports Medicine and Performance. We will be talking all things related to athletic performance for Milwaukee area athletes. Sports medicine, performance training, sports nutrition, recovery, and sports coaching. There's a lot of misinformation and myths surrounding athletic performance and injuries. This podcast is designed to bring current, factual, and evidence-based information to Milwaukee area athletes. Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Patrick Yost, an orthopedic surgeon for Milwaukee Orthopedic Group. Dr. Yost is a graduate of the University of Wisconsin Medical School and completed his residency at the Hospital for Special Surgery in New York, one of the top hospitals in the country. Following his residency, Dr. Yost had the opportunity to study under renowned surgeon, Dr. James Andrews, and during this time, he gained advanced knowledge and experience working with high-level throwing athletes. He has brought his experience and knowledge back to Milwaukee, and he treats patients and athletes at his Mequon and downtown offices, as well as serving as a team physician for many local schools. Dr. Yost, welcome to the show, and thanks for your time to come on. I've been looking forward to, uh, to talking about baseball and throwing athletes with you for a while. Thanks so much for having me. So I always like to start by uh, just getting a little bit of background. So how did you get started into, into medicine, and, and kind of after all your training, what, what brought, you, brought you back to the Milwaukee area? Yeah, so um, you know, medicine was always, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, I didn't figure it out until later. I, I kind of knew I wanted to be a doctor when I was a little kid, which sounds kind of cheesy, but it was pretty much a fast track from the minute I left high school. I was pretty confident I wanted to treat athletes. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily give that as advice to other young people or people who are young now, I guess, but um, for me, it happened to work out. It's, I, I sort of tested the waters along the way and did some research and worked with some surgeons and every, every step of the way, I liked it a little more. So um, it just was the right path for me. Um, but I, if I have to give advice to young people, just guess and check. And yeah. as you go along the way, make sure you like what you're getting into and it's okay to change. Um, from a like going back to Milwaukee standpoint, you know, that's where my family is. I grew up here. Um, really. Uh, tried to get the best training I could. And I always knew, my wife and I always knew we were going to come back here. And the idea was to provide something different and exciting to the, to the people of Milwaukee and our sort of we, people we consider our friends and family. And uh, I just wanted to be able to offer something that wasn't offered here before. So that's kind of why we left and came back. Yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. That's, uh, it's really, really good to have, you know, high high level doctors with with kind of world class training that we can uh we can rely on in, in the area. So I really wanted to uh know kind of one of your interests and you and I have talked before has been treating throwing athletes um and, and treating those injuries. Um so I wanted to first kind of start by diving into elbow injuries. Um so we keep seeing Tommy John surgery rise yeah. in uh major league baseball and we see more and more elbow injuries in, in younger athletes. Um, from your perspective, what do you see as some reasons um, that could be contributing to the rise in these injuries? Well, from a, a global or holistic perspective, 
the competition keeps getting tougher. And so these young people are throwing harder and they're throwing better breaking pitches and the hitters are getting better. And so in order to stay competitive, kids have to elevate their game. And the kids now are better than they were five years ago and the kids then were better than five years before them. So they're putting more stresses on their elbows and other joints. They're starting sooner and they're playing year round. And these are things that weren't necessary to be competitive before, but they're becoming so for better or for worse. And a lot of times it's for worse. Yeah. And it does just seem like, I mean, fastball velocities are rising and, you know, we know that fastball velocities and percentages of fastballs thrown is kind of one of the leading indicators of elbow, elbow injury risk. And it's like, it's a, it's such a balance to try to trade off the, the performance benefits with, with your injury risks and, and manage that and stay healthy. Right. I mean, the weighted ball programs are a great example. They're, they're very effective at increasing velocity, but they also have been very clearly shown to increase the risk of injuries. Right. Right. No, that's, uh, it's absolutely. So one of the, one of the common questions that we have with, with, uh, kind of younger players is, you know, what's normal arm soreness. So, um, you know, athletes that kind of have this tightness or discomfort on the inside of their elbow after they throw, um, what's expected or, in, and what's concerning when should they come see, you know, some, some medical provider or, or come into your office to get it checked out? Yeah, that's a great question. Cause there's a lot of variation in that. And uh, if that was an easy answer, you, most of these people probably wouldn't need my help, right. but from a simplistic uh, standpoint, if it's sore towards the end of a, a tougher outing or if it's sore that evening and it's gone the next day, that's a little less concerning. Um, if it persists for months and it's sore every time they throw, that's a little more concerning or even weeks. Um, other things that I think are a little more obvious are if a, if a player feels a pop or has an acute pain on a certain pitch that is immediately worse than it was before, that's always concerning. That, that almost always needs a doctor visit. Um, but in, there's a lot in between there that's, there's a lot of nuance that's hard for coaches and parents to figure out. And that's where people like you and me come in. Yeah. I, that's right along the lines that, that we say there's the, the clear cut, you know, the one pitch and you see the, you know, kid grab his elbow and, and kind of he's done for the day. And, uh, that, that's an easy one that needs to get seen that, you know, you talk to some of these kids and they've been having this elbow pain for a while and it's almost more unusual when they, when their arm doesn't hurt after they throw and they're like, well, this is what it's always been like. And I'm like, oh, I don't know that, you know, you're, you're still in high school. I don't know that we should just accept that. Right. Um, so one of the uh, other kind of common questions that we get, or I think the concerns, you know, anybody that comes into our office is always like, the first thing they want to know is, is it the Tommy John ligament? And you know, that's the, the surgery that sort of made this, this uh, injury famous, but do, does every sore elbow um, kind of on the inside there require surgery? Or are there other treatment options that you try to use first before, before going down that path? So for most people who come in with medial elbow pain, meaning on the inside of the elbow, they don't need surgery. Um, again, they, there are two ways really that we see Tommy John injuries. You know, we'll see the pop where they 
blow it out on one pitch. And, and those are pretty clear. Those usually will need surgery if they're going to throw again at a high level. But there's the, the large population of people who have a sore elbow. And a lot of those people will have pain from the, from the ulnar collateral ligament, or some people call it the Tommy John ligament. But not a lot of those will need surgery. A lot of them need rest or therapy or an evaluation of their pitching mechanics. And some of them will have another problem that looks a lot like a Tommy John injury. Um, there, are, there are several things along the medial side of the elbow that can cause pain, and they're all in very close proximity. And, again, it's hard for a public or even a very experienced coach to be sure of which one it is. Yeah. I, I agree. And there's just so much going on there. And, you know, we try to do a good job educating people on it, but I think, I think sometimes people are almost um, afraid to get it looked at um, because they uh, they're worried about having to get mm -hmm. the surgery. That's like, well, if I go in, I'm going to have to get that. And it's like, well, sometimes we can, we can do stuff to, to stop you from getting to that point. Yeah, most of the time, I would even say. I think they're probably in better shape if they come in and we'll talk through the the process and what the problem is and where to go next. And it's it's a rare situation where we'll tell people you're going to need to have surgery or else. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's good to good to know. Kind of along those same lines, um, what's the difference between um, you know the the little leaguer's elbow that that people hear about and and the UCL injury or the Tommy John kind of surgery injury? You know, the best information people can have there is age. So young men will usually grow until they're about 16. And there's some variation, um, but most kids, it's plus or minus a year. So pretty uncommon for a 12 or 13-year-old to have the need for a Tommy John surgery. And it's very common for them to have little league elbow because they have a, a growing growth plate there. Same thing, if you got a 17-year-old, it's pretty uncommon to have little league elbow because they usually have a closed growth plate. And so there's some variation there, and I've certainly seen 14-year-olds who've torn their ulnar collateral ligament and still have an open growth plate, but it's pretty uncommon. Um, so in general, they look about the same, but they're just in different age kids most of the time. Yeah, that, uh, I think that's, that's a helpful way of, of kind of breaking it down for people. So while we're on the, while we're on the young kids, um, you know, you studied under Dr. Andrews and Dr. Andrews has been very vocal about some of the issues and the risks with this kind of early sports specialization in the young athletes, like we were talking about with playing, playing baseball year round and things like that. Um, do you have a, a take on kind of early sports right. specialization or, or what you recommend for kids? Yeah. I mean, he's spot on. Dr. Andrews has looked at this in a, in a, scientific way and uh, the research is there but he's also got the experience of watching multiple generations of throwers go through their careers and now he's watched his kids and his grandkids which I think just talking with him has made the biggest impact on him but he's absolutely right that the early specialization is a danger to the body it just is so these kids that can play hockey and then put it down and play baseball and you know and so on have maybe be a three-sport athlete overall they're better athletes and they're probably safer doing it the problem is in what we talked about earlier if you don't specialize sometimes you're not competitive because there are kids who are just playing baseball 12 months out of the year 
And if you play four months out of the year or five, unless you're a real phenomenon, it's hard to stay competitive. So people are forced, and a lot of times it's dads and parents and coaches are forced into this difficult decision, which is, I want to recommend this kid take a break for a while, but then everybody else is going to pass him by. So that's, it's not an easy thing for people to deal with. But from a medical perspective, kids should absolutely cross-train. Yeah. No, I know. I think – I really think that Dr. Andrew's message has um, been getting out, you know, because we have more kids and more families that come into our office, and it's like, you know, we're, they're playing other sports. They're not doing this. But what we're seeing is we're seeing kids play multiple sports, but all at one time where they're playing – baseball and lacrosse and indoor soccer and basketball camps at the same time. And they're still playing like baseball year round. So they're, they're doing the multiple sports aspect, but they're still not getting like that at least three month break away from the baseball field. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. I think people, people know most of the time, because when I start asking about, like, how many months off do you get from throwing? And the kid looks at the dad, and the dad looks at the kid. That's not the first time they've ever been asked that. And they know that he needs a little bit of rest. But um, at least I'm not the first one to, to bring yeah, it up. Yeah. So I yeah. think awareness is important, like most things. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, all right, so let's kind of move away from the elbow a little bit. I think we've definitely got some good info there. Um, what are the, what are some of the most common things that you see with, uh, with the shoulder and the throwing athletes? Well, you know, the common, the most common thing I see in the shoulder is a sore shoulders. You know, it's, that doesn't sound super medical, but in most people who are skeletally mature or fully grown, I see people who just throw too much and they get a sore rotator cuff and they get sore muscles around the shoulder. And, uh, this is, these are people that need to see you and not me. I mean, I I end up a lot of times helping them figure out what's wrong or what's not wrong. But most of the people I see with shoulder pain, most of the throwers I see with shoulder pain need my help to figure it out, but not my help to treat it. Meaning they don't need surgery. Right. Um, A lot of it is mechanics. A lot of it is education. Um, but it's, it's actually less common for me to see a structural injury in young athletes. Um, comes to structural injury, we'll see labral tears at a reasonable rate. Um, they'll usually tear the superior labrum or the top of the labrum. People call that a slap tear. That was actually a term coined by Dr. Andrews in the 80s, um, and that's stuck. Um, this is a, an injury that can happen all at once, but it, it often is attritional, meaning pitchers especially will gradually wear out their superior labrum over time. And uh, anybody who's followed these injuries knows that the recovery rate is not good for pitchers fixed with surgery or rehab. They're tough. So to try to get an athlete back to uh, one of the most stressful uh, physical things that we do to our bodies, such as pitching after an injury like that is, is real hard. So there's a lot of research and people are trying to improve, but slap tears are still one of the harder things to get people back from. Yeah, no, I know that's, we, I think that people hear about them so much. And so that's always like, everyone's biggest concern if we get somebody that comes in to see us and is like, do I need to go see a doc and things like that? It's like, I want to make sure it's not a slap tear. And, uh, you know, but they're hard to diagnose. And and like, truthfully, we're going to do everything else in the world before we, before we, uh, you know, definitely go down that path. Yeah, I think that's probably the right move. And I, 
if I had to give some advice to parents and coaches about what to do with a kid with a sore shoulder, I'd say, go see Michael Falk before you see Patrick Yost, because odds are he's going to be the one to get you better. Because um, I see a lot of normal MRIs that either they didn't, didn't do enough conservative or treatment or didn't do enough resting or didn't do enough therapy, or, you know, sometimes they just saw the wrong therapist and they see someone who doesn't specialize in athletes. Um, you know, if you just kind of go down the street or pick a therapist off the internet, a lot of times you don't have the expertise to really solve their problem. So I end up funneling those kind of people to people like you. Yeah. Well, no, we, uh, we definitely appreciate it. Um, you bringing up MRIs was kind of leads me right into the next thing I was going to ask. Um, you know, baseball players and MRIs can be a little dicey sometimes. Um, you know, could you kind of explain to people some of the, you know, benefits of an MRI and then as a baseball player, some of the, some of the potential drawbacks to, to getting an MRI on the shoulder? Especially? Yeah. So, yeah. So for the shoulder, usually it's in a, somebody who's had an acute injury, like they were running in the outfield and dove for a ball and kind of felt a bad pain in their arm, have trouble lifting it. Those people need an MRI pretty quickly. Um, the other group would be people who've done rehab with a qualified professional, have had the right amount of rest, and then they've tried to throw again, and their shoulder just doesn't feel right. I think that's a legitimate time for an MRI. Um, I spend a lot of time talking people out of an MRI when their sh so shoulder has been sore for a couple of days or even a couple of weeks, but they haven't really been resting, and they haven't seen anybody about it. Those are people who we have a long conversation, but I try to get them not to waste their money. Um, because MRIs aren't cheap. Uh, the other issue is that a lot of times people will show up in my office with a low-quality, non-contrast MRI, and they'll have a radiology report that describes a possible slap tear. Well, it, they're not that easy to diagnose, especially in a non-contrast MRI. Usually the contrast is injected into the joint for a high-quality MRI arthrogram or a contrast MRI, and, and it takes a good quality study with an arthrogram to really know for sure. And even then you don't know for sure, but to get a high quality um, and a pretty good guess, you need a good quality study. So usually I try to discourage people from trying to get their own MRI from um, a, one of these freestanding low budget places. Um, I'd rather they spend that money on a, a few visits with you and most likely that'll be higher yield. Yeah, I think is you probably know better than, than me, but I think one of Dr. Andrews like famous quotes from one of his talks was like, if you want to, if you want an excuse to operate on a professional pitcher's shoulder, all, all you have to do is get an MRI. Cause you know, a lot of them have some of these changes and maybe it's been there for a while and maybe it's causing pain and maybe it's not. Right. And, uh, it can just be hard to sort through sometimes. Yeah, the hardest is the guys who play ball into their 40s and 50s or these, you know, these guys are now softball players or even a bunch of guys who play fast pitch baseball who are in their 50s. Well, I promise you those shoulders are not normal. So right. <laughs> if I'm getting an MRI of those guys' shoulders, we have a long conversation before and after so that I prepare them for what they're about to find. Right. Yeah. You'll, you'll see something <laughs> one way or the yeah, other. That's right. So. Um, all right. Uh, last thing I want to dive into, um, you know, I, I definitely feel like one of the things that I've kind of learned from reading some of Dr. Andrews and stuff and the things that come out of ASMI um, is just the importance of, of interval throwing programs to get, get players back uh, to, to baseball and pitching in particular. Um, what's your decision-making process like on when a player can return to throwing and, and 
why why do you find it so important that that players complete this process and are, are and are diligent with that part of their recovery? Well, throwing a baseball, especially pitching, it involves the highest angular velocity of any known human movement. So it, it's dizzying to think about how fast the arm is rotating when throwing. So the stresses on the elbow and the shoulder are incredible. So um, the, the other um, important principle is that we generate our power through our hips and our thighs and our trunk. And the arm is really just used to transmit that force, even though it sees the majority of the stress. Um, kids need to, need to gradually build that ability. Um, an extreme example would be telling you to try to throw a fastball sitting in an armchair. It, right. it just it doesn't work, and you're going <laughs> to hurt something. Yeah. Um, you get these kids who've been resting, great, you've rested. That's, the, that's step one. But working up to throwing hard is a process, and the arm has to build up the tolerance, but so does the core and the trunk and everything else, and they've got to kind of retrain their body and their brain to do that properly. Um, also, having a, a good pitching coach or someone who understands pitching mechanics, even if they just have a basic understanding to watch these kids throw, it makes such a big difference because you can head off problems real fast. Yeah, I think I think sometimes there's ways that, you know, we try to get kids to use the early part of those those throwing programs to work on certain things if we see arm path issues or or you know other other things that come up some of those low intensity low velocity throws can be a nice way to uh to start building <clears throat> building those new habits uh so so that when we get to the higher levels they they carry over right well, no, that, uh, that was really good. I think we uh, covered a lot of ground and gave people some, hopefully some, some good information that, uh, that can help them kind of sort through what's going on with their arm and, and uh, get, get on the right path to feeling better again. Um, we usually finish with just a, a quick lightning round with a couple of fun questions to let people get to know you uh, a little bit better. Um, so with you kind of being a, a local Milwaukee guy, do you have a, a favorite local Milwaukee restaurant that you, that you like to frequent? Um, yeah, I wouldn't say frequent because uh, it, it's a hit on the budget, but once in a while, maybe every other year, my wife and I will go to Ardent, which is a really yeah. fun little spot. And they, it's sort of like a no menu kind of place where you just show up and they're like, here's what we're going to cook you today. Do you have any food allergies? And it's sort of like being on the Food Network on a, on a cooking show, which is kind of cool. So if you can ever swing it and you want to try it sometime, it's, it's really fun. That one's been on our list for a little while. We just have never, uh, never made it down there. I heard, I heard they've got like a ramen place attached to it on the back, though. Yes, yes. So. Word to the wise, though, if it's raining, the steps are slippery. And um, I won't share the details, but there can be a little bit of a mishap going downstairs into that place. So watch your step. All right, I'll uh, I'll I'll be sure to uh, be be careful uh, be careful about that. Um, were you an athlete growing up? Do you have a, a you know a, a high school athletic uh, story at all? You know, a career highlight that you want to share? Oh boy, you know that's flattering. And uh, high school has long passed. Um, I'm gonna just mix it up on you and share a more current uh, sports. Uh, accomplishment so in my old age i've sort of accepted that contact sports are, are probably not in my best interest but i was always a tennis player so now i've uh i've joined this paddle tennis club which is a obscure sport which i'll yeah. spare you the details but uh 
I, my partner and I won the club championship last fall, so that was a real exciting thing for our little tiny little world of uh, of paddle tennis. So that's my that's my most recent sports accolade that no one cares about. That's uh, that's awesome. I actually do know what it is. What I don't know is I don't know the difference between paddle tennis and pickleball. But even more obscure, I've got my college roommate. His wife made it to the national championships of pickleball in Florida, which that's I didn't fantastic. know this was a thing. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people play both. Um, yeah. Both fun. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's awesome. Well, Dr. Yost, I really appreciate your time today. It was a great conversation, and uh, I hope that the throwing athletes are able to take a lot away from this interview. Um, if anybody is interested or, or needs your help, um, where can our listeners learn more about you and, and what you're doing? A couple places. You can go to milwaukeeorthopedics.com. You can also look at Patrick Yost, MD. It's J-O-S-T. Um, or you can always give my office a call, 414-276-6000. That's, uh, that's awesome. Well, thank you again, and thanks to everyone that's listening, and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new that will help you achieve your goals. If you did, we would love for you to head over to Instagram and search MKE Sports Podcast. Like, follow, or comment on today's episode. If you have questions, comments, topics, or guest suggestions, reach out through that Instagram account. Your feedback will help us make this podcast as relevant and informative as possible. If you have additional time, we'd appreciate your help in spreading this information. If you could head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review, it will help us spread the word to more athletes in the greater Milwaukee area. Have a great day, and we will see you next time.